Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 161st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. And we got to get you ready for Carolina's third game of the season. That'll be tomorrow night in the Smith Center as Carolina plays host to Gardner-Webb. We'll get you all the things you need to know about Carolina's history with the running Bulldogs break down the opponent, and then give our keys to the game and much more. But before we do any of that, we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. Download that DraftKings app now. Use that promo code TBPN to activate our latest offer. And we go to one of the great philosophers of all time, a guy that hopefully whenever I've hung up the uh, the headphones – Maybe I have become one of the great radio philosophers of wouldn't all time. Hold, wouldn't hold your breath. And and that is Aristotle, who uh, oh I'm not going to say God. he was quoted as saying as much because I don't think you know they were recording things back in the day, but he wrote down... He wrote it on stone, right? This, this quote, and he said, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And that's... That's the habit Carolina's trying to attain is a level of excellence on both ends of the court for 40 minutes that championship teams have. And that's our goals and desire for this season. And I do think that it's it's very evident through the first two games of the year that Carolina does have some ways to go in that. We you know, we heard Hubert Davis tell us uh after the season opener, we thought his team played anxious and nervous. Uh I've I've heard Brennan Marks tell me um, you know, off you know, on a, on a sidebar conversation, that he does think this team has to ease into being the number one team in the country and playing with that weight of expectations. 
And I think you've seen that through the first two games of the year, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the beauty of college basketball is that it is a long season. It does allow you time to get better as the season moves along. And the best part about Carolina is they're 2-0, and and they've put film out there that is winning film, but one that Hubert Davis can really point out and say, guys, we got to be better in X, Y, and Z for us to get back to that final Monday night. So I, I want to ask one question. What? You said it was a sidebar conversation with you and Brendan Marks. Was this a concerned late-night text after Friday's game saying, Brendan, you up? He's a good friend of the pod. He's a good friend of the radio show that I produce. We just talk frequently. It's yeah. usually on the podcast or on the radio show, but I feel like when he's talking on the radio show, he's talking to me. As oh, so as- this was like a pre-recording chat before you guys recorded the other no it's what he said on the air but i Uh, he was saying i was really concerned i I was just i was wondering i was wondering if you might have been concerned and just sent him you know little 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 uh little text message a little late night text message hey man yep i'm concerned about my team i send those to women to which then i get left on red or on open if you do i i gotta tell you i i too have received some late night text not like that mostly just asking um, you know about some sort of stomach issue and or thoughts on Carolina basketball. Okay. So, you know, now we're getting personal. Let's okay. get personal about Gardner Webb. Carolina is 5 and 0 all time against a small in-state school which is located in Shelby, North Carolina. All five matchups previously have been played in Chapel Hill, just like this one is going to be. The last time they played was back during the 2019-2020 season. Carolina would win at home 77-61. Cole Anthony led the way that night with 28 points. And Armando Baycott posted his first of what now has become 49 career double doubles and so this is another chance for Carolina to you know hopefully do some things where they they're getting their guards and more of a rhythm maybe establishing Pete Nance you know same thing for Armando Baycott get the get, get the bench players going but the one thing about Carolina's bench is that two things have been absent from the bench and that's been both Donovan Puff Johnson and Jalen Washington, guys that we were hoping could be contributors for the team this season. And Hubert Davis updated both of their statuses today. And he said that, you know, you know, Puff just finally played some five on five full court. Jalen Washington is making some progress. It's it's appearing that these guys are trending in the right direction and that the earliest that we'll see them will be next week in Portland where Carolina will spend the Thanksgiving holiday. And that's really good news for Carolina. Look, Carolina's bench hasn't been bad. You look at what Seth Trimble's done through two games, what Tyler Nickel did the other night. We've seen some good things in, in moments from DeMarco Dunn and Dontrez Styles. But the one thing that this bench lacks is it, it lacks a perimeter defender, which Donovan Puff Johnson can be and will be. And you could almost argue that when he's on the court behind Armando Baycott, he might be the second best rebounder on the team. And then there's no front court depth with, with Jalen Washington not available to play because Will Shaver 
hasn't even come close to stepping on the basketball court. And I think this was something that we talked about over the summer that we thought there was going to be more noticeable depth in the front court. I thought, for one, that Will Shaver was going to be a guy because of the way he redshirted and had a you know a six month head start basically on Jalen Washington and Co. He was going to be ready to be a, a impactful player this year. I think it's still more of his body where they're trying to get him ready to play in the ACC on a night in, night out basis. But Carolina has used just. Armando Baycott and and Pete Nance at the five whenever Carolina goes really small. So there's a lot of things that, you know, that these two guys' returns could mean for Carolina, despite them both being guys that come off the bench for Hubert Davis. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, first of all, when it comes to Will Shaver, I think it just shows how much of a project he really was. And I wouldn't say that he's never going to get there. We're not saying that. I think there's some moments that we saw from him in some of the scrimmages and the exhibition where you said, okay, yeah, this guy's got a little something. But I think it just shows you that there is a way to go with him. There's a reason why they wanted him to get into the program early. And also, you know, you kind of harken back to what Huber Davis said about getting a guy in early. It works in certain sports. We see it a lot in football, but it, it seemed like the way that Huber Davis talked, he didn't really like what exactly went down when he did come to campus. Maybe he felt like, not saying anything like that, that sounded a little ominous. More so, I think he thought maybe there would have been more value to him staying in high school, to him going through uh, you know, the, the AAU circuit. May, that, I think that's what Hubert Davis probably looks at and says he wishes he probably would have been done different. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the area that it clearly helps the most because, yeah, you've got Puff, who's going to be a stretch four. Um, Dontre Styles just is not playing a lot right now. And, you know, I don't know what exactly it is. I think he's done some really good things rebounding-wise, but... Carolina needs that stretch four. They've got to have that guy. The way that Hubert Davis wants to play, you've got to have times where you can go with basically four around one. And that's what Puff Johnson brings to the table. That's what he will allow you to do. And then also, talk about Jalen Washington. We've heard multiple times from Hubert Davis so far in this offseason he says that Jalen Washington's the best shooting big man he's ever seen. And that's saying a lot because he's been around a lot of really good big men. So I think both of these guys could be contributors. I would be a little bit more hesitant when it comes to Jalen Washington. I think Puff Johnson, the minute he gets back on the court, will have a role for this team without a doubt. Jalen Washington, they probably won't rush things, especially considering that he was just able to be a full go last week. That was the first time Hubert said he has been at full full strength, even in five-on-five situations, which he was doing some of before. So I, I think with him, maybe there's a little bit more time before you actually see him play a significant amount, but... Just getting Puff back would be huge for this team and their front court depth. Yeah, and I think it's something that, you know, 
maybe then when these two when these two guys are a part of of Carolina's every night rotation, we start to really take away some conclusions about what this team is and what this team is going to be because right now they are an incomplete roster and that's a big reason why through two games we've seen an incomplete product on the court through the first two games. Well, Carolina will will have a chance to to host a team that um they're they're obviously more gifted than, they're more talented than, they're 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 deeper than um and that being Gardner Webb, um the running Bulldogs enter the year or enter the game, excuse me, with an 0-2 record. They've lost the first two games of their season to Colorado State and Stephen F. Austin. They have three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Julian uh, Sumaro, who leads the team at 13.0 points per game while shooting 50% from behind the three-point line. Uh, there's a lot of things that Gardner-Webb doesn't do very well, including they only rebound the basketball to the tune of 29.5 rebounds per game, which is 332nd in the country. Obviously, Carolina comes in against an, an opponent that is overmatched, an opponent that Carolina is going to be heavily favored to beat, but that was the same thing that was said for the first two opponents, and it it did not happen. Where Carolina, they overwhelmed, they really overwhelmed College of Charleston in the second half. I never once thought really against UNC Wilmington they ever overwhelmed their opponent. I thought UNC Wilmington really dictated the way the game was played, and Carolina just beat them because their their jersey said North Carolina, and the opponents did not. Um, this is a chance for Carolina, I think, to really come out and 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 really start start to validate why they're still the number one team ranked in the country because they they, they remained ranked number one in, in the AP poll today but I don't think had they been dropped in favor for Gonzaga who beat a Michigan State team on Friday night mm-hmm. you know I don't think you could have really argued that because the first two games we saw Carolina for a team that was ranked number one in the country I'm not going to say it was underwhelming but I don't think it looked the way we thought it we we thought it was going to look, let alone we thought what we wanted it to look like the first two games of the year. Well, first of all, I wouldn't argue it anyways because I I got to tell you there is no more useless ranking in all of sports than college basketball early season rankings. They they mean absolutely nothing. Carolina proved it last year that even a majority of the way through the season they don't really mean much, and that's what Carolina has to really tell themselves here. Is that look? We still got the number one ranking, but we shouldn't we shouldn't be playing with a ton of pressure on ourselves because it does not matter what we do now. We cannot lose the season at w- with where we're at right now. We just have to go out and play the basketball that we are capable of playing. And at times so far this year, I, I think they've they've looked at it as we are the number one team in the country. We are playing not to lose, and it has resulted in a lot closer contest than I think a lot of people assumed. I mean, look, again, credit needs to be given to UNC Wilmington, who, as we talked about, an extremely physical team that we think could contend for the CAA title. 
and a Charleston team who shot the lights out once again for the second straight year. Now, both of those games, you kind of aided in that. But yeah, this kind of does feel like, I wouldn't say an, a, a get-right game, but it's one where you would feel like Carolina, if they're going to start showing signs of a good rebounding team, this has to be that game. You're playing a team that is not even averaging 30 rebounds a game. And just overall, this should be a team that you should beat pretty easily. I mean, look, Colorado State, pretty solid program. Stephen F. Austin, we know the history that they have. Making They've made a good amount of NCAA tournaments. A lot of those came under Brad Underwood, who, of course, is no longer there. This is this is the worst team that you've played so far out of these three. This should be a game that you sort of put your foot down and show people we we are really one of the best teams in the country. There's a reason why all these guys came back, and there's a reason why we, in a lot of people's minds, were the favorite to cut down the nets before the season started. I'm right there with you, and and I think this is going to be something that we as fans, we have to monitor, just like Hubert Davis has to monitor, really the mentality of this team because, um, look, there's there, there's no denying that this team, and with what they did last year, they believe, and they showed it on Friday night, that they can turn the switch on and off, and that whenever they turn it on, they can play at a really high level. And look, there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with that, but you know that that will probably lead to a game where you probably lose because you don't turn it on. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and when we come back, we'll give our keys to the game and then pick the game and more on this edition of the Four Corners Podcast back right after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings, Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. So whether if you're a Nick fan like myself, or you're a local Charlotte Hornet fan, you want to bet on the Hornets game, or Melo's assist total, or how many threes Kelly Oubre is going to make, you can do all of that and more at DraftKings at, at DraftKings Sportsbook. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook app is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code TBPM and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do do apply. See show notes for details. 
Really hope you guys are taking great evangelical offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And, well, it's a different game, but one of the keys is still the same. I didn't even change the wording. It's still the one word just typed three times on the show sheet. Yeah. And that is rebound, rebound, and rebound. Because I'm not... I'm not frustrated with the way Carolina's played through two games. I'm not irritated at the way Carolina's played through two games. Are you? I am disappointed by Uh-oh. them being out-rebounded back-to-back games at home by CAA opponents. I thought the first game of the year, it was just the way that the ball fell. There was nothing you could have done. Like, you were blocking shots back into their guys. There's nothing you can – you can't control what happens after you block the shot. It's also the first game of the year, too. So, those types of things can happen, um, no doubt. Friday night? No, you can control that because I thought their effort on the defensive glass was nowhere near what it should have been. Because um, I thought Carolina's defense initially on Friday night was really good in the half court. I mean, I, I, as as well as, Char- as Charleston shot the ball, there were shots that I thought that even when they made them, I was living with them because I thought you forced them to take a tough shot. Oh, yeah. There were, there were guys definitely just making shots, no uh, doubt about it. But my issue was whenever you would play really good defense for 15 to 20 seconds – and you force a miss, and you've got four guys standing around the rim looking at the ball, but they don't get their their hands on on a on a on on the opponent. They don't get their hip inside somebody else, and lo and behold, the opponent just goes and grabs it. That got really irritating because rebounding. Look, as much as you can teach technique, and, and look, Carolina's done that because Armando Baycott is as technical a rebounder as Carolina has had since John Henson and Tyler Zeller were, were here. He's that he's that good. It's it's a lot like playing defense where rebounding is an effort thing. And Carolina's effort on Friday night wasn't where it needs to be, where you want it to be if you want to win a national championship, if you want to play to that type of level and standard on a night-in, night-out basis. You're playing against an opponent that, as you mentioned before we went to break, averages less than 30 rebounds per game. They're 332nd in the country. There is no excuse. There is no rhyme or reason for Carolina to be out-rebounded for a third consecutive home game by a mid-major opponent. No, I mean, they're, it, absolutely not. And especially, I mean, it, this, is, this is a team that has just lived and died by rebounding at times. Pro, program-wise, you have seen teams that that, I mean, look at last year's team. That was one of the biggest keys to Carolina having success a year ago was the fact that Armando Baycott was just absolutely dominating people that he played against on the glass. And it was it became, as the season went along, a team domination on the glass. Armando said it when he was in the press conference the other night after the Charleston game. He just he pretty much called himself soft. And said that there are times where he just has to simply take over games. He can't yep. wait. Hubert Davis does, shouldn't have to point it out to him. And that's what you want to see. You you know that he knows at this point that if he wants to take over a game, there is nobody that's better than him. I don't think 
I, I've already said it. I don't think Oscar Shibway is better than him when they are both playing at their best. This dude is the most dominant player in college basketball. But at the same time, it's like we saw the other night. He also needs help from the other guys. Pete Nance, man, you got to be better than what you showed the other night. One rebound? That that can't happen. Like, you've got the size on you. You've rebounded well at Northwestern. You should be rebounding a lot better than you are. You don't have to be the guy that you were at Northwestern. You've got more help around you. But the fact that Brady Manick, at, to this point, was a far better rebounder than you have been out of the gate, that was not Brady Manick's strength. And we thought that was one of the areas that you would we would be improved with you in here. And, you know, from the other guys, I mean, Leakey the other night, solid, but you need an all-around effort from these guys on the glass. And the thing that they've got to control the most, you have to control the defensive glass. The yep. fact that you have let back-to-back opponents have 15 or more offensive rebounds against you, both of them mid-majors, by the way, I cannot remember the last time Carolina had that happen ever, even against ACC opponents. Well, they've been out rebounded on the offensive glass by seven in back-to-back games. Oh my god! For the first time since Roy Williams' first year back in 2003-2004. That's insane. And, and the thing about when you give up offensive rebounds, and Carolina knows this subconsciously because of that's that's that was their mo for 19 years under Roy Williams, and even last year with 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 Armando Baycott and, and Brady Manick. It's so demoralizing to that opponent when that opponent plays really good defense for 15, 20, 25 seconds, they force a miss and they don't finish the possession. It's like it's like a it's it's like a it's like a team that can't stop the run in football. It wears you out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as much as, you know, Armando Baycott calling himself soft, I like that because that shows a level of self awareness. He's gonna get his rebounds. I'm not worried about that. I want. I loved that Caleb Love had career high nine boards. I want that to translate into this game where he's back in the five or six. Same thing for Leaky. But as we talked about all off season and leading into the first couple games, for Carolina to be the type of rebounding team it wants to be, it's got to be one through five because as as much as Schubert Davis wants to play four guards and one big, he can't do it if Carolina cannot control. The, the the backboard. So that's our first key. The second key is is I feel like it's important for Carolina to get off to a fast start. I think it's something that they just haven't done the first two games for whatever reason. You know, the first game, it was first game jitters. It was a late night tip at home. And I mean, look, a lot of it, when, whenever Carolina's come out sleepy, you could really attest to the crowd not really being involved in the game. That hasn't happened. Uh, Carolina's had two really good crowds to start the year, considering they're playing games at late at night against you know mid-major opponents. But I, I felt like even against Charleston the other night, even though the game was up and down in that favored Carolina, they just they 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 didn't seem ready to go from the jump. And, and I think you'd see a really big difference in this team if they come out. And I'm not saying you put the game away at the under 16 timeout. Although if you want to do that please and thank you. Oh, that'd be great. But just get off to a really good start the game off 8-2, 10-4, something like that. Get in a flow and a rhythm offensively because it's 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 really just imperative. We we saw this team last year when they came out ready to play. That's when they were at their best. 
they they really learned uh, as the as the year went along to win games. They didn't play really well, a la at Clemson, a la at Virginia Tech. But there were also games where they didn't play really well, and you were losing games to. And I'm not saying the Crimson's going to lose the game if they if they start slow in this one, but it's really just about getting in a rhythm and a flow, mainly on the on the offensive end, because I do think this team has the makings and the pieces to be a juggernaut on that end of the floor. Look, they won't lose the game if they start slow. They shouldn't. But the thing is, is how many times can you keep doing this? You could probably keep doing this for the next three games even because you got Portland that starts off your trip out west for the PK85 after that 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 recipe is not going to work you keep doing that one of those teams one of those power conference teams they will beat you if you start slow like that and here's what everything pretty much ties back into rebounding because i think that's been one of carolina's biggest issues is that early in games, they've had opportunities to get off to fast starts because what do you want to see early from Carolina that shows you that there is energy to the game? You want to see them run. And when you can't rebound defensively and you're letting up second-chance opportunities right out of the gate, which they've done in both games so far, it's it's really tough to get your offense going in the way that you want it to. It's look, ultimately we've seen it under Hubert Davis at times last year. There will be times where this will get into a half court offense. And Carolina's thrived at that at times. But ultimately to get off to a fast start, you want to get these guys out in space running. Best way to do that is to rebound the ball and you got to be able to finish at the basket. And I think it's it's not too much to ask, but you're right. Can can Carolina get off to a start where they they at least feel comfortable at some point in the game with where exactly they are at? Because it has not felt like early in games Carolina is comfortable at all. It feels like they are pretty much they set the tone for we're going to be in a rock fight for this entire game. This is one where against this type of opponent, you should be able to do it and do it pretty easily. The last key I have, it really ties into what you said when we were talking about Carolina imposing their will on the on the, on the rebounding glass as a whole, mainly on the defensive side. Carolina, I think, needs to play primarily through Armando Baycott. He's your best player. And then I want to see Hubert Davis run offense for Pete Nance through Pete Nance because this time last year Carolina was deeper because you had Dawson Garcia starting and Brady Manick was a bench player Mm -hmm. right now you don't have that and so last year even though Brady was coming off the bench he was able to work himself into a flow and a rhythm and and while it didn't happen for Dawson Garcia whenever they made the switch it was kind of seamless and Carolina's season took off I have no qualms about what Pete Nance has done as an individual defender. I think his switching and his ability to guard through the one through the four, you've already seen it pay dividends, and it's really going to show up in ACC play where whenever he gets switched on a guard, I'm not as concerned because I know he can hold his own because he has a good enough first step and he can re and he can he can uh what's the word I'm looking for here. He can recover and, and really alter a shot. Just like you did right there. But offensively, yep, he's got to start giving us something. And look, 
the shot looks good. The form is good. He's going to make three-pointers. He's not going to make them at the volume Brady Manic did. He's not going to shoot them at the volume that Brady Manic did. Nor should he. And we were told that by my guy Brennan Marks in the offseason. But he's got to start giving, getting something on 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 the block in the mid range mm-hmm. for 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 this offense and 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 for Amanda Bacon. Look, a lot of this it falls on Caleb Love and R.J. Davis because we still need them to be aggressive. They're you know they're they're your two best perimeter players. We believe they're the best backcourt backcourt duo in the country. And with their scoring a prowess, they're also learning how to be better facilitators, how to run an offense, how to get other guys involved while hunting their shot and their offense. That guy that that they got to help get get going is Pete Nance, because you saw the other night when he got the ball he got the ball on the left block. He took three power dribbles, turned and banked it in. He backed a guy into all the way into the paint. The guy flopped. He lays it in over his head. He has the ability to be a really good offensive player. And maybe it's something where Hubert Davis has to really utilize him as an offensive weapon when he goes to that four-guard lineup and he's at your five. Maybe we're we're working towards that. But I want to see Carolina play through their two bigs because I, I, I feel like their combination, that, that, that duo dynamic could be just as lethal as that one in the backcourt. And if you have you know the the the, the, the backcourt playing well, your two bigs playing well. It's going to make life easier for a guy like Leaky Black, and then you're going to see this offense kind of blossom into its best version of itself. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that these that these guys have to be the strength, and and Nance, that's the one thing. It, it's so tough to fill that production, and I think look, Leaky has stepped his game up. The other the performance the other night from Leaky was really really encouraging on the offensive end of the floor. So he doesn't need to be what Brady Manick was last year. But he's a guy that brings you a little bit more versatility than what Brady Manick brought you in the fact that he can be a traditional four. He can stretch it at times if he needs to, like you were mentioning. Again, mm-hmm. he's not going to be throwing up five, six threes a game. But he can also be a guy that goes down to the block. He can play the five for you. So there's a lot of different areas where he can help you. But you're right. Right now, it just doesn't feel like he's helping you enough on the offensive end. I'm not concerned with you playing through Armando. That's going to happen. And that needs to be a focus. Well, I mean, in this it, it didn't happen in the first half the other. I took one shot. Well, yeah. But I mean, if the second half does not show you that you should be playing through him. Then I don't really know what I, I mean. What will like that? That is your best offense, clearly, and and I can't believe that they didn't realize that really the first three halves of the season. So, I, I to me, I'm not worried about that. I think they saw that the other night, and these guys are going to realize, especially against this team that is just struggling so much inside. Put the ball inside and go to work. Just beat. I mean, just. Beat the will out of this team early in the game by giving Armando Baycott the ball. But I'm with you. I want to see Pete Nance have those types of moments as well. And again, you go back to what he did at Northwestern. He had times where he was that player. You don't always have to be that player. You have more help on this team. That's true. But there are times where it's like, hey, let's be a little more selfish here, man. Go to work. Let's see what you got because... That was one of the biggest things that we liked about him when he was coming in as a transfer, 
was we said, look, man, this this guy's offensive game is a little bit different, but it's still really good. And it's something that is going to help Carolina. So I, I think in this game, it's all about what the big men do. If they dominate, Carolina should be able to run away with this one pretty easily. If it's kind of like the other night where first half's a little slow, takes them a little while to get going, Carolina could be in another one of these games where at halftime you're sitting there saying to yourself, maybe you're, I, I would doubt you're trailing like you were the other night, but you might be sitting there saying to yourself, how is this a single-digit game? Carolina enters with a 93.3% chance to win, according to ESPN's College Basketball Power Index. Anthony, I'll simply ask you, do the Tar Heels improve to 3-0 on the 2022-23 season? Yes, I think so. I also think this is probably their most dominant performance of the season. I would be shocked if they struggle in this game. Uh, This is a... It's a Gardner-Webb team that is really struggling. They are not the team that Carolina even saw back in 2019-20 that was coming off of an NCAA tournament appearance. So uh, this should be a game where Carolina looks dominant. I think they learned in the game against Charleston, put the ball inside, let Armando Baycott go to work. I think Pete Nance will see that ball a little bit more in this game as well. And I'm also really, really encouraged by what I've seen from the guards so far to start the season. I've liked the mindset that primarily Caleb Love has has had with getting to the basket. You've seen it a little bit from R.J. Davis at times as well. I think those guys will continue to bring that mindset to the offensive end of the floor. And I also see Carolina bouncing back defensively. I thought the other night you saw a team in Charleston that really hit a couple of tough shots like you were mentioning in the first half, and it got Carolina sort of off their game a little bit. You saw some defensive mistakes late in that first half, but Carolina buttoned things up in the second half. I think you'll see that carryover. We'll see some of those things that we saw against UNC Wilmington, and I think it all culminates in Carolina with a dominant performance to get their third win. I'm right there with you. I have a Carolina victory, and I do think it'll be their most complete 40-minute effort of the season. Well, we are going to transition to uh, a closing note really quickly. And this one's a rather somber one. It's the one, you know, we don't do this a whole lot on here um, because we're a Tar Heel podcast, but sometimes we got we to gotta talk about things outside of Carolina basketball. And, you know, today the University of Virginia, they they had to deal with, with the real rough situation. There was a, a, a school shooting that happened where, 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 three, where three football players lost their lives, um, and they were taken by a former teammate of theirs at that and this is becoming a a recurring situation here in in america where it feels like virtually every time you turn on your local news or your national news um that 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 some sort of gun violence has taken someone's life in an innocent form or matter and we're not going to get political um because that's 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 not what we do here um, but and I, and I said it on the Heel Tough blog podcast, and I'll re- and I'll reiterate it here. It's not that I don't want to give my thoughts and prayers to those families because I am already having and will continue to do so. My frustration is that we have to we have to keep doing this, 
And when this started really back in 2012 at Sandy Hook, we said never again. And it feels like we say that, you know, we've said that far too often for now a decade. And it's it's, it's really getting sad. And, you know, as I, I don't think it's a it's not just a Republican issue. It's not a Democratic issue. It's a human issue. It's it's something where we as as human beings, we got to be simply better. And it's it's something that uh, I I think I get I get really frustrated with because we we aren't doing enough to to to, to force change and, and and call for change when this type of evilness does exist and it, it impacts our world and, and it directs us or or it it impacts us both directly and indirectly. So Virginia, we want you to know that we're thinking about you. We're praying. We're, we're praying for you. Um, they had a men's basketball game tonight, as you can imagine. That game has been canceled. Mm-hmm. Who knows if Virginia will walk on the football field They're the last two weeks of the regular season? If they don't, you you really can't blame them because there are times where where there are things that happen in life that are bigger than sports. I know we live in a bubble where you know games are the most important things, and 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 for us, for two hours when Carolina's on the TV, that that is the most important thing. But when stuff like this does happen. Um, you know, it is important that we take, you know, we, we, we take a 10,000 feet view. We, we take a step back and really acknowledge that there are bigger things in life that do go on as opposed to, you know, whether you rebound a basketball or you make a three-point shot. So we, we want you to know as the Four Corners podcast, as the, you know, from the Heel Tough blog that we are thinking about you and we'll be praying you praying for you during this difficult time. That is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where Carolina football clinched a spot in the ACC championship game over the week. And you can check out all of our postgame coverage from that. You've got the you've got the recap from Anthony, Ashton's analysis. I'll have a trench report up. There'll be a stock report to follow. And then later this week we'll be getting you ready for Georgia Tech. As for the basketball side of things, if you want to go back and – and read about that win over the College of Charleston, feel free to do so. I'll be getting you ready for a preview of the game, and, of course, there'll be a recap posted on the night of. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. You can rate and review the podcast. Most importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.